Sire, it is long past noon. Don't you don't you think it's time to wake up and be king? Wow. Very well. What's on the itinerary for today? Well, we have a delegation with Goldpaw to discuss, and Sire, must you lick yourself right now? It's not licking myself. It's my morning bath. I'm half cat. I mean, it's perfectly natural. Anyway, continue. Anyway, before we do anything else, we do have a couple that would like you to bless their newborn. Oh, yes. Wow, excellent. Bring them in. Squeak, squeak. Thank you, your majesty, for this audience. It is such an honor to have the great king of Evermore bestow his blessing on our child. Mm-hmm. Why, look at this little tyke. Oh, they'll grow up to be a perfect, upstanding citizen. And, oh, here it comes. Oh, thank you for this glorious blessing. Our little one will grow up nice and strong. All hail, squeak, squeak, King Evan! Uh, All of a sudden, the nuclear missile doesn't seem half bad right now. This is RBG Backtrack, RB Gamer's official retro gaming podcast covering titles from the early days of PC gaming right up through the consoles of yesteryear. Join hosts Kelly Ryan, Matt Mason, and the estimable Mike Minky as they and their guests tell you what to borrow, what to buy, and what to relegate to that big backlog in the sky. Hello and welcome to RPG Backtrack, your regular deep dive into your favorite RPGs. We are, of course, a production of RPGamer.com, bringing you fine podcasts like RPG Cast and your weekly. Wait, we are your weekly news show, RPG Cast. That's right. And- Joining me today is Kelly Ryan. Chris, oh, wait. no, oh, sorry. Chris, I, I, I run this cat and oh. pony show. This, this cat and pony. <laughs> I don't know if I'm the cat or the pony. Oh wait! Uh, no, you're the cat. After go to the go one. to this. Yep, I think Chris is skin. definitely yep. going to have to be the pony after that. <laughs> anyway, and and of course our question and answer show uh, Q and A quest that too. But no, as you can see, we've got our RP. Did you just that too? The yes. Q and A quest, like <laughs> oh that thing over there. We don't, uh, yeah we still do that. So my uh, brother and sister from another podcaster here, Kristen Anna Marie Privetier. Honestly, and if, this kind of does start to feel like an RPG cast because we've got bit. Chris and Anna Marie and Kelly and Matt. Mm-hmm. Yes, my yeah. podcast partner in crime, as I like to call him. Yes, uh, crime. That, that's that's me. But you this know, is this you... is the show. Where we don't care what you've been playing this week. We no, care what you we don't care. Nope. Two to three years ago. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because we or all talked about this longer. game. We all talked about this game on uh, RPG Cast. It is, of course, Nino Kuni 2. Um, I've been wanting Boogaloo. to get. Yeah. No, don't! No, you no. can't do that one now, Chris. It's tainted. It's tainted. Uh, reasons. Oh, Go- no. Google I'll, it. I'll explain it to you when you're older. Uh oh. Yeah. All right. All right. 
in in the meantime, though, it, the, interestingly enough, this game does involve civil war to a degree. But um, yeah, Nino Kuni Two. I've been dying to get to this one just because it was a game that I had a lot of fun with. Chris and Anna had a lot of fun with it, and I was surprised that Matt actually enjoyed it too. Oh, I enjoyed the hell out of it, and you, you'll hear at the sure. end. You hear at the end. Uh, I'll tell you. I didn't think I would, but yeah, I I did love this. I'm not well, sure if I want to say definitively that Chris had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> Stick well, around, we'll, we'll, we'll find out. Yeah, we'll, we'll get into that. But anyway, in the meantime, we will have a very short musical interlude, and then we will come back and break down Nino Kuni too. And welcome back to our RPG backtrack about Nino Kuni 2, The Revenant Kingdom. Came out on March 23rd, 2018 for PS4 and Windows. <sighs> I, I like this game quite a bit. I don't know about Chris and Anna, though. I really like the SimCity part of this game. I played the <laughs> SimCity part of this game. It looked really cool. I wouldn't I let him play I it. Played it. <laughs> that was a good part. Yeah. yeah. I kept wanting to like grind up. I just like grinding. I think that's what it is. I like games with grinding. Uh, and this game has this great section where, you know, just like, oh, I almost said just like the first one. Like, no, not just like the first one. No. First one don't do this at all. Um, <laughs> you made yeah. go burr in this one. <laughs> you like yeah. build buildings and, and equip people and make them all better and stuff. And it's like, come on. So the interesting about this one is that, you know, the first one, what made it so famous was that it was a team up with Studio Ghibli, which was like a huge deal back then. This time they didn't really have Studio Ghibli. They just had like a designer whose name I can't pronounce. Y- Yoshi. Yoshiyuki Momose, Momose, yeah, Mimosa. and then yeah, yeah. and then uh, <laughs> I'll drink to that. <laughs> yes, cheers. Yes, indeed. And then just the music com- composer Joe Hishashi from uh, Wrath of the White Witch. Because it didn't sound as good. This time. I, I honestly don't know. I mean, the Wikipedia article said that he was back, so I, mean, I he's assume back, yes. He's back. It's just whatever. I mean, if Wikipedia says it, that's yeah, art. yeah. For me, it Take felt like gospel. if if the first one was like a Studio Ghibli film, this was like somebody who wishes they were Studio Ghibli and came really close in imitating it, and it just wasn't there. It didn't have the magic. The story wasn't as good either. Well, the non-white yeah. witch. Comparing to the non-white witch stuff, the white witch story was bad in the first one. Yeah. Well, I mean, just kind of going into the plot summary real quick, because the story in this game is very bare bones. Um, mm-hmm. It starts out with Pre- President Roland who is a president of an undisclosed country, but we all know that it's America slash Eagle Land, because it was heavily implied. <laughs> um, he uh, So he's just kind of driving around in a limo, and he witnesses a nuclear missile go off, and then things go back, and then he gets sucked into another world where, like, a civil war is taking place, or no, uh, insurrection. Mm-hmm. And uh, he, he finds uh, Pr- Prince Evan, who is about ready to be killed by the well, Ma- he's Mossinger. He's much younger when he yeah. ends up in this other world. Yeah. 
I don't know why that. Happened. Oh, I forgot how old he uh, how old he, he was. was. Old. He was older to begin with. Yeah. Yeah. There's a scene where he looks in the mirror like, oh, like in I'm 20s. like my twenties again. Yep. The gray is gone from the temples. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe this is just me as like the non-American, but it really felt like he was driving across the Golden Gate Bridge in that intro. Yeah, that's that's why I thought where a nuke goes off. It was weird. It was, yeah. was to the Golden Gate. I thought it was not New York. It's not New York. Yes. <laughs> I mean, look, everybody who isn't from the U.S. has a really, really loose idea of where things are geographically <laughs> in the U.S. Denver? Oh, do you so, like the Golden Gate? They Bridge? were going yeah, across the Golden the Gate into New York. Yeah, got yeah. it. <laughs> uh huh. They're right next to each other. Yep. By Ohio. I mean, it's all in the United States. Well, whatever. Denver and Detroit both start with D. Therefore, they're next to each other. <laughs> Everyone knows the U.S. is organized alphabetically. <laughs> There's organization. It's the gerrymandering. That's how we put all the cities in order. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, dear. Interesting. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> okay. This is going to be really funny when she listens to it back. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I would like fries so with my burger, gun. please. <laughs> Yes, where did I stop? Where did I stop? Or where did I go, robot? Um, I think. Oh, it was after, after we I... made fun of Ohio. Um, <laughs> okay. Somewhere between Denver and Detroit. Yeah, something about the. I think you're about to talk about Mousinger, you know. The yeah. Bad rat guy. <laughs> so, look, uh, just, just being up front, I apologize. I've had internet problems the past couple of days. We've had a terrible snowstorm where I live, and I think it's affected some of the lines. I think. That's what I hope. Um, so, yeah, uh, Roland meets with P- Prince, P- um, I'm blanking his name, not Ev- Evan Petty Whisker, and the Mousinger guy is trying to kill him to take over the kingdom of um, Ding Dong Dell. And then Roland and uh, Prince Evan's caretaker, um, Arinella, are trying to get out. And you you go through the sewer, the sewer level, and then you get out, and then Arinella dies. And yep. it makes what? Evan Spoilers. cry. Yeah, well, we spoil everything on this show. Well, it's, that's also literally the first five minutes of the game. Yeah, <laughs> it is. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, kinda, they they kinda... did marketing pushes on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. mm-hmm. yeah, it's kind of like how they killed the other kid's mom within the first no, ten minutes of the game. Takes, that takes like twenty to thirty minutes. Huh. Well, this takes about twenty to thirty minutes too, because you got to go through the uh, oh yeah the sewer level. So and the we're, tutorial. We're still probably in about the one hour mark. That was sad. Yeah first game everything in the first game was better except the city building the first game needed the city building it didn't have that oh no the battles were much better in this one but we'll get yeah. that we'll get oh, that c- mm. shots fired so um because evan is devastated he decides to make a new kingdom in her honor where everybody's gonna live happily ever after and that's the mantra of this whole thing so he, he meets with some sky pirates and they go on a trial to get a new king no, maker. wait 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 how do you go from that to sky pirates that doesn't make <laughs> I mean, sense well, i mean the, i mean when you're a king with no kingdom clearly the next step is sky, sky pirates. pirates yeah the game kind of goes there we gotta find allies where you can find them yeah he's so he's Vash, he's um Vash, he's um no don't even say it wrong game Vosh <laughs> okay. von rotzenberg yeah, my yeah. Hang of D- Ding Dong Del Masca. Yeah. 
So, yeah, he meets with Sky Pirates, and then um, they take them on the trail to get a kingmaker, which I guess is a god that bestows kingly powers to the kings. Don't explain the kingmakers well. They just, all of a sudden, everybody has a deity strapped to their arse. Yeah, every king does. Yeah, or ruler, whatever. And Evan's kingmaker looks like a deformed Lisa Simpson. Oh, it's completely a deformed Lisa Simpson. Is it a Scottish... Scottish Welsh. Deformed Welsh. Welsh. Sorry. Lisa Simpson. <laughs> because Mr. Drippy had an accent and he was cool, so this guy has yeah. to have an accent too, but they're not as cool as Mr. Drippy. Yeah, so you go and establish a kingdom um, named Evermore, and this is, this is also why I think Roland is American, because you draft the Declaration of Interdependence. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Completely not a Declaration of Independence. And he wants all the nations to go sign it, sign it to have peace in the world. Or else and we'll destroy go, them. Yeah. That's and you go around, and there's like, what, four different kingdoms you go to, and they sign, try to get him to sign the treaty, and it's very Dragon Questy at that point, because, you know, each kingdom has a problem, and you mm-hmm. have to go solve it. And along the way, there's an evil wizard named Doloran, who is st- stealing uh, kingsmakers from other kings. And then you, you just Get everybody to sign the declaration, solve the problems, and then the evil wizard is like, "Oh no, I'm gonna kill your kingmaker!" And you kill the wizard and save the world. Gosh, now that you've said it, it really is a Dragon Quest game, isn't it? Yes, it's not a good one. Probably explains why Maddie and I liked it so much. Oh yeah, I, I I felt right at home playing this game. Yeah. Like oh, and I, this 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 town has a problem. Yes, let me solve it. And I mean the 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 story in this one, I w- I would admit is very lacking compared to the first one because the first one was an epic grand adventure and it had stakes and you know started out with that and tragedy feels, of losing your brother. Feels. And then this one is just kind of like oh, we're gonna make the ultimate kingdom and make it happy. But Aranella, you got to feel for Aranella. Oh yeah, I felt for that. I felt for that big time. When one and... person dies, of course you have to unite the whole world. Mm-hmm. And the do. other the other thing is that, you know, I th- I thought that Evan was going to be really annoying the whole game, but I actually found him to be very endearing and sweet. Okay, I can we talk about the biggest the opposite. problem in this game? <laughs> Your dude comes with a real freaking modern gun and it doesn't like it doesn't just kill everybody automatically like it should. Because it, it shoots does. magic. Oh, it does it not. It shoots magic. It does too. It like reloads itself magically. It even explains that somewhere. It's like, whoa, it doesn't run out of charges. I can't remember. Does he actually fight in battle with the gun or do you use oh, yes. new better guns that are more magical? Mm-hmm. Uh, okay. Yeah, there's, okay. It, he, that's the ranged attack to his sword regular attack because each has oh, two right. to attack right right so, so yeah the, the combat in this game is very different compared to the original game because gone is the catching of the familiars and each person having like a team of three three familiars um i don't remember i can't think of anybody that liked the combat in the first game at all absolutely I mean, hated it my dilemma with the combat in the first game which i actually just played not that long ago the switch re-release is that the ai is brick stupid mm-hmm. oh completely the ai is brick stupid 
Um, there's way too many characters to keep track of. You know, party members within party members, which is just yeah, a weird yeah. decision. And then you have a very narrow window of opportunity to catch any familiar if you even happen to be able to catch them. Mm-hmm. I don't and know. It, call combat in this one good though. I, it's better like than the first boring. game. I found it like almost like a Musso light. To me, it reminded me of the Tales of series. Yeah. Um, there you go. Kind of without needing um, a codex to decode how the combat's actually functioning. Yeah, just kind of go in, get in some pot shots, dodge the attack or block the attack, and then go in and dodge more shots and then uh, block and what have you. And then now, you had the Higgledies. Yes, the Higgledy Piggledies. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which were like I'm, little little familiars I'm back in for the Higgledies. Yeah, <laughs> little familiars. They look like. They they actually reminded me very much of the spirits in Princess Mononoke. If you guys have never seen that movie, oh yeah, um, guys, yeah. Talk about the okay. Um, each one of them had they were like different elemental ones, and they all kind of had different colors and looked cute. And some of them wore hats, which I just found to be adorable. And you go around the world and you find different ones and you add them to your party and you'll you level them up and they can do different things in battle like heal you or deal damage at random or stuff like that. And I thought that they were really cute and just fun to play around with. Mm-hmm. Well, and you uh, got you eventually got like Grandma Higgledy Piggledy. And if she was in your base, you could do special stuff with them. I'd breed them. Um, promote them. I can't. It was something that Chris put me in charge of. Yeah, yeah, that was in the city bay in the city planning thing. Yes. That was one of the things that you could. Yeah, I think there might have even been two of those places. Can't remember what. Well, maybe not. But I mean, yeah, you're right. You could level them up there. You could give them more powers there. Could you couldn't combine them? Could you? I don't think so. Okay. Um, there there were six main types: normal, water, fire, wind, light, and dark. And then there were around a hundred of them that you could find. I'm not sure about the breeding, though. I didn't really do a whole lot of the breeding. Is it breeding? I'm not sure. That doesn't. I don't remember familiar. what part in the city they played, but I do remember taking care of them in some fashion. All I remember is the battle system had a bunch of sliders you'd adjust to try and adjust. I don't know. Oh, difficulty, you could. Mm-hmm. Um, drops stuff like that or something like that i don't yeah you could adjust like get more items but that would come at the cost of getting less gold um you could adjust being able to do more damage to like fire types but that would then make you do less damage to water types yeah all of them always a... mix types and battles so i was like well, why am i doing this mm-hmm. uh, honestly <laughs> I, thought... I did not play around with that mechanic at all it was the cost reward i never felt that i needed to i guess that was also part of it yeah, I, I did a little bit, but mainly when I was trying to farm for crafting items that I would turn the EXP all the way down and then put the item drops all the way up. Yeah. And wish more games would kind of have systems like this to where you can pick and choose, okay, I'm grinding, so I'm just going to mm. worry about experience for now or money or whatever. Um, the later Disgaea games have stuff like this. It I never felt lets like I was focus. getting as ahead as I should have with those tuni- tunables, though. Yeah. I mean, it certainly helped, especially if you were farming for like rare crafting materials or if you needed a bunch of money fast. But um, I guess now we can go into the, ma- the meat and potatoes of this game, which is the kingdom. Yes. 
If only I knew anything about it, Anna stole it from me. Yeah, so when Chris <laughs> first started playing the game, he was like, look at this world building. It's so cool. Maybe you should do some of it while I'm working during the day. And I proceeded to completely take over that section of the game. I didn't get to touch it again. Because didn't it work kind of like a mobile game where you got yeah. the currency? It just kind of passively accumulated. Yeah, and the idea was that, that, that long, and you could do little things to just pass the time. And then it's like, uh, if Anna found a way to just always be playing it and never having to wait too long. I imagine that you just left the PS4 on yeah. all the time, right? Yes. Essentially, King's yes. Guilders was the currency. Yes. King's Guild. And yeah, it just, King's Guild was, and it just built up every Get minute. building and building. Mm-hmm. See, you you leveled up your kingdom just by, like, leaving it on and playing it all day. I leveled it up because I played the ever-loving crap out of this game when it came out. Well, there were so many, you know, and... With that city building, you needed to get more citizens because you're building more buildings. You need more people to work in the buildings. That and was my a lot job. Right. Get all yeah. The so Chris would come home from work and I'd be like, Chris, I'm at an impasse. Can you play the game, please? <laughs> and that was a lot of the side quests. The side quests took a long time. There was a hundred citizens that you could eventually recruit for this. But that did give you the opportunity to do the more interesting battles. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Which were like the weird, uh, what do you call it? Were they RTSs? Kind of, sort of. Oh, the skirmishes? Yeah. So, yeah, the skirmishes, yes. It, it would play like an RTS. You'd get uh, four commanders, and each commander would have like 10 little units around them. And I kind of compared this. I talked about this game one other time, but I kind of compared it to almost like a yokai watch because you'd use the L and the R um, buttons to rotate who was in front of you. So you'd be taking your guys in a little army skirmish and there'd be little units over there and you would twist them around like, oh, I want my um, Lance guys to go attack their magic users. And because Lances did better against magic, so you'd twist it and run at them and all your little Lancer guys would stab their magicians and then you'd see somebody with shields over on the other side and be like, oh, no. No, you had archers. to heal after that battle. Well, that's true, too. <laughs> There's a lot of healing between skirmishes or between little well, not battles. Even between, yeah, yeah. You'd want to. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like I was leveled pretty good for most of them. So, I mean, I might only use one or two units and spin them around to go use yeah, my archers. I kind of forced somebody the issue else. on a few of them. And it's like, oh, I'm really pushing it. But I don't really. Yeah, I kind of did that. <laughs> I, I kind of did that a lot as well. I absolutely love that system. And I went into that game reading a lot of reviews because I played it two years after it came out and reading a lot of reviews. A lot of reviewers were like, eh, the skirmish system. Why did it have to be there? It was tacked on. It was something I was like, oh, my God, I love that part. Like I would like I said, so get into some I had so much fun like, with it. Looking. Yeah, no, that was great. It, uh, it, it reminded me a lot of Pikmin. Or um, there, there was a PS3 game called Overlord where you were like running around with minions and you and directing them to fight. And I just couldn't get enough of it, especially when, you know, you just kind of put a unit on each side and take the, take them out at will. And then, you know, t trying to, like, brute force your way through barriers and stuff so that you could get the stuff quicker. And I... <laughs> I remember as soon as I got the airship, I just ran around trying to find all the battle, the uh, mm -hmm. skirmish battles I could. And I kind of oh, don't, I really don't understand that. why people didn't like it. I think because they get, uh, you'd start having the same battles on the same battlefield or different battles on the same battlefield. And they'd, it would just take forever to get to a battle that actually mattered or that was hard yeah. for you. 
after a while and it's like oh this is just another one of these oh great oh it's the dude who hates me who i can just tell if i do enough of these he's gonna join my city uh yay Mm -hmm. (laughs) i had a hard time finding ones that looked appropriate for my level because they each had a a level next to you but then i found out like those levels didn't really apply like i all my commanders were like level 15 and i went into like a level 21 battle and with just a little bit of strategic planning i did fine like i was like oh i don't need to be worried that this is six levels above me now regular battles six and seven levels above you those were problems yeah those kind of were and gosh what was it the it wasn't notorious monsters but there was some monsters on the screen the the bounty system yeah yeah Mm -hmm. that were glowing purple and i found out very quickly if one of those was seven levels above where you were Forget it. Yeah, no. Like you might be able to take out a regular enemy that's seven levels above you or do a skirmish battle that's seven levels above you. But taking on one of those guys that was seven levels above you. Forget it. Don't do that. I remember <laughs> Chris trying to brute force a couple of those and hitting brick walls very quickly. Uh huh. Yeah, I kind of had the same problem, um, especially with some of those really high level notorious monster or bounties or whatever they were called. Um, especially when you would run into them on the map by accident trying to, you know, do exploring because they were like treasure chests on the map and stuff. Yeah, and they were pretty randomly dispersed throughout. Like, you'd be running around your level 20 area and like, oh, hey, look, there's a level 50 guy. Definitely stay away from him. Yep. But um, so talk about running around the overworld. I actually really liked that there was little chibi versions of everybody when you were on the overworld. That mm-hmm. was adorable. I mean, you had like two little art styles because if you were on the overworld, you had your little chibi people running around. And when a battle broke out, it you know broke to another screen and you'd be you know fighting in a battle screen. Whereas when you were in dungeons, you looked like you did in cutscenes and everything else and you would just walk up to people and hit them and it'd be just part of the main battle you, the music would change and you know you weren't flashing over another screen um the battles played out the same way but it was kind of two different styles like when you were in a dungeon if you were in that um sewer compared to overworld map now, i remember some of the bounty battles looking like they p- played out on like an orange pl- um play field mm. or am i just misremembering that had a, a I think they were, to me, they were just in all the landscape where you met them. Ah, uh, maybe it was some of the optional battles or something. I just remember getting stuck on one of, one of those monster fights that was on an orange battlefield. Because it's just, it's burned into my retina. Because <laughs> I was just throwing myself at that one of those fights so many times. Because I, I was trying to platinum this game. Did you eventually do so? Oh, yeah, I eventually did. And what the hiccup was, was the skirmish battles just kind of popped up at random on the map. And trying to get them to spawn was a nightmare because you didn't really have a list of the ones that you had already completed. And I'm, like, looking at a list on GameFAQs or something, just going through each one. It's like, okay, have I done this one? Have I not done this one? And I think it was, like, just a random one somewhere that it took forever to spawn that was finally the last thing to get my trophy. Trophies, yo! Yeah, because when I love the game this that much, or, you know, when the trophies are easy enough to get that I can get them with very... You know, seeing all the game kind of effort, then I'll I'll go for them every time. Mm-hmm. Um, I I also remember like one of the last random dungeons also kind of gave me trouble because we haven't talked about the random dungeons yet. 
the um, I wrote that down. The Dreamer doors. Yes. Well, do we want to really go frustrated through with those sometimes? Oh, they could get that. We haven't gone through all the characters properly yet. And there's kind of a reason for that. All the, I found <laughs> all of the characters in this game to be extremely dull. Well, I loved Roland. I, I was team Roland all the way. And one of the greatest moments in this game was when I found out I could take Evan out of my active party. <laughs> like, I thought this was I thought this was SMT or Dragon Quest or something like you could not get rid of him. And then 20 hours into the game, I was like, oh, I don't need to have him there. Peace out. I brought him oh. back for the final battle because he had something that he could do right before the final battle. He learned some ability that's supposed to, like, do extra damage to the final boss. And um, so I was like, all right, you're back in. But no, I, I, I had Roland um, and then eventually took Leander and Bracken as my uh, main three once I got the party all together. I think you yeah. eventually did that, too, as well, didn't you, Chris? Uh, I think so, yeah. Uh, no no love for Evan. I mean, I, I liked him because I thought that he had some of the best magic in the game. And my team ended up being um, Evan, Roland, and Batu, just because Batu, I felt like, just had a really good moveset all around. I did um, like Batu. The Sky Pirate. Yeah, he was those what you just said. Those were my main three for the probably the first 20 hours. Um, Leandon and Bracken, I thought, were so unmemorable that I forgot that they were even party members until I researched this. <laughs> Ooh, that's not a good sign. Yeah, they, they just kind of they showed up in their respective kingdoms and then they tagged along long after you solved the problem. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had already put a ton of hours into the game anyway, so they were kind of useless to me. I don't remember like a... who these people are. Yeah. Who's, who's right. what named what? I don't All right, so Leander was um, the young man. He was in the Queen Nera kingdom, the Hydro Hydropolis. Um, and the problem you solved there was the kingdom was like a thousand years ago. It was like out of sync with time. Yeah, what's, what does he look like? A person. A person. Okay. I think great. he was Thank blonde you. with a blue tunic. Young guy. Magic. Yeah. He used uh he had spears that he controlled oh. mentally. Okay. That cool. was like his main weapon was like a mind he spears? Yeah. Like they just floated. They like weren't in his hand. And I think that's why I put him in eventually. Like, well, this looks cool. All right. So that's Leander. Then Leander. The, the the little girl sky pirate great lady. Uh Tony. Who cares? Tony? Okay. <laughs> Honey, yeah. All right, and then and, uh, Bracken Meadows. Bracken she is was... the lady from the Machine City, from the Technology City. From Google, from, from Apple. Google. Yeah. yeah, from Apple. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And what, what really sucks is that if she would have showed up earlier in the game, she probably would have been one of my favorite characters because I really liked her design. Mm-hmm. But because she shows up so late, it's she's kind of useless at that point but to she's me. She's got a Bluetooth headset. Why are you against it? Because... Uh, she did At good that with point, magic, too. She's who I put in for Evan. At that point, I, I was kind of like, I'm done. Sorry. I'm kind of done with party members at this point. I mean, that is the last main I just, panel, I just so think yeah, it's that. funny. For a world with so many animal people, you don't have any animal people in your party except Evan, kind of. That and is, he's not even a mandatory dog. It's just member. like, I think you're kind of running a racist <laughs> kingdom is all. And to be honest, I kind of felt like the people in the town that you recruited via the side quests and stuff had a little bit more personality than the party members themselves. Yeah, that's why I think I liked it so much. You'd go walking around and talking to them. Chris Mm -hmm. like, you get to hang out with all the cool people (laughs) and stop being combat. 
Well, you, you walk around and you talk with them and you obsess all over all of their little um, charts and like what ta- what part of the town they're best going to work at. And I ended up having to put a bunch of mine in a spreadsheet just to keep track of them all. I have a really distinct memory of being very excited to make somebody shoes. <laughs> <laughs> so, I and, okay. So what was there to do? So you level up all your buildings. You're doing research. We should. We didn't say you're like you're doing research. That's the thing that you're waiting for the timer to complete, which unlocks either the ability to craft accessories that you may not even bother to make or give like experience bonuses and stuff to your people, stuff like that. Right. Or make the Higgledies better somehow. When you get all that maxed out and your city's done, when you've beaten the boss, what's there to do in this game? Because I feel like there was still this random dungeon system and I never really understood, like, why am I supposed to play this still? The Dreamer Doors you're talking yeah, about? Yeah, sure. There was even a building that could what it was affect called. all the Dreamer Doors. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What's it Make- do? Why? For people that want to buy one game a year and play that game. <laughs> were they, just, the they were just hard floors with, with encounters on them? Is that the idea? I mean... Dungeon? I, yes. Yeah. That, what the... was the DLC about? Because, yeah, here's, here's, here's the strange thing about this game is we played the ever-loving hoo-hoo out of this game mm-hmm. to the point where we actually brought our PS4 to the Midwest Gaming Classic in 2018 and basically spent the whole weekend in our hotel yeah. room playing we it. We had more fun doing that than going to the <laughs> conference. That's true. It was a bad year. All Like, a bunch yeah. of the pinball people that normally came didn't came, and someone had passed away from cancer that we normally hung out with, and, like, mm. all sorts of stuff had happened that year. And it was yet another year that we had a blizzard, so we couldn't go anywhere. We had to order at Uber Eats, yeah. like, all weekend long. And so we we were so excited. We blew through the game. Oh, like, we we someone piled, died like, from cancer, and I had to eat Uber Eats. Ugh. <laughs> well, no, it's like, just I like I love equivocating those. We two. <laughs> we thought it was going to be this fun, awesome weekend, and then we get there, and it's like, where's Brad? Uh, he died. Uh, oh, awkward. Because this is normally there are a lot of people that we only see at the Midway Gaming Classic, so we seriously had no idea. But anyways, um. We were like, yeah, we finished the game and we're so excited and we hear there's DLC coming. And it didn't come up for like two years. Uh, I don't think two years, but it took forever. It, it might have been at least years. a year. It yeah. Was, yeah. And then it was out and it's, I never even knew what it did. I yeah, just lost we, so much interest by then and it didn't. Sound, nobody made it sound like it was cool. So I still don't know what it does. I, I probably covered it on the show and I've already forgotten. Oh, we, we talked about it multiple times on RPG Cast, but it was like... I'm kind of done with that game, and I've been well, done with it for a while. Track. Did you research it? Because I didn't. I should have. I was honestly hoping that somebody had played it. <laughs> well, you know, the layer of the Lost Lord paid DLC. It had a new zone, new quests, had 80 new weapons and armor pieces, and a, quote, returning enemy, as well as expanding the battle system, according okay. to Eurogamer.net. Did it do anything for the <laughs> The, the city building because I'm not hearing the part that I care about in that game so far. Were there more skirmishes? Was there more bi- city building? No. Uh, science points and new. No. Huh. All right. Yeah. So that came out on December 13th. So that was you know when did we say this game came out? Like a March. March. Yeah. March Nine months later. Yeah. Did they cancel the next DLC because the first one did so poorly? No, there were two. Yep, there were two. Let's see what uh, Tale of a Timeless Tome. I thought someone was telling me that it added more to uh, Roland's 
past, if I'm not mistaken. A couple cutscenes, apparently. I know one of them involved Evan's kid from the future. Oh, boy. Yeah, it brings you new stories that dive into your favorite character's past. Well, the way that's worded with the uh, apostrophe, you'll hear a lot about more than one past. Aye, aye, aye. Well, this sounds this sounds awesome because there are new uh, martial marital no martial methods and additional content. This is the best name for additional content. Solosium slog. Talk about loving to grind. It's literally called Solosium slog. Oh right, this is the game where you keep having cutscenes where you get to see your son, isn't it? I forgot about this. Yeah, because those having no context for those cutscenes in the actual game were weird because it's just like. Why is Evan just talking to this random ghost kid? Or, or it felt like a ghost kid. Correct. At the yeah. time. But it's his his aunt, uh, uh, descendant or son or something. And like even less animal features. Just saying. Yeah. And a human, pro-human kind of kind of racist. Did it ever say who his wife was? Oh, I guess it would be Tommy. I don't know. Uh. Maybe, maybe I guess that's why. Yeah. Who's the baby mama? We uh. need to know. No, we don't. It's good. I'm good. They tried. They didn't succeed. First game story is better, except for White Witch. <sighs> yeah, I mean, un- unfortunately, that's the case with this game. It was like the first game had just a garbage battle system, but an excellent story. And um, then in this in this game, I felt like they put a lot of stuff in there to give you plenty to do and a pretty an okay battle system compared to the first one. But then they just kind of like let the story go by the wayside. I feel like they tried and they just weren't good at it. So is this where, you know, not pairing with Studio Ghibli affected it? I, I don't know because this was still level five. And I kind of feel like level five has took a, taken a dip in quality. Over the past couple of years, what? So, okay, Watch Three was amazing. I mean, it, <laughs> it probably it probably was. I didn't get very far in it, but I also got compared stuck. to one. Uh, it, you know, put it on a pedestal of everything else. It's no, it's it's solidly okay. I mean, Anna telling me that Snack World was a me- mediocre game at best kind of told me that um, Level Five just weren't the quality that they used to be. I'm mm-hmm. so confused about that localization. Still, I mean, the jokes were dumb and. Like, even the stuff that was supposed to be juvenile humor was just translated badly. Yeah. I'm reading about this DLC. That... Apparently, the the rabbit head guy shows up again, which is weird, since in the first deal, Nino Kuni, that's an alternate timeline Oliver. So, that's so weird. Why would he show up again? Oh, and I, I forgot to mention, at the very beginning of the game is the only reference to the first game that there is, where you do mm-hmm. this huge elaborate puzzle where you're moving around pieces to um, essentially create the story of the first game. Correct. Yeah, they're not They're not really related. I, I know. There's a place called Ding Dong Dell in both. It, it's supposed to be like thousands of years in the future, and I will admit that that puzzle at the beginning of the game, telling the story of the first game, I thought was a nice touch. And I was hoping that it would have more references to that. And when it didn't, I was kind of disappointed. So I have a question. Did you guys do the puzzle or did you do like me and just follow a guide? Because I was like, no, I'm not going through this a hundred times. I think I did the puzzle. I think I didn't find it that hard. I think the first two were pretty good. But then, like, the last one, oh, my gosh, there was 30, 40 steps. Turn this, move this, slide that. I think I might have been over it by the third or fourth one. They got bigger and bigger. So Yeah, it just kind of just kind of piddled out at the end. 
Mm-hmm. And that, that, that was the puzzle where you got your um, deformed Lisa Simpson kingmaker person. Yes, that's that's what it was. That was your quest with the Sky Pirates to go get Lisa kingmaker. And, and in I, the end, mm-hmm. turned into something looking pretty cool. Yeah, that's true. That that ended up being a, a nice surprise later on because all the other kingmakers in the games are like these massive things. You got the one um, from Broadleaf, the, the the at like Apple Google Kingdom area. That's like almost an entire city coming at you and attacking you. And the other ones are huge. Like Hydropolis is the big like water dragon and. The other ones are just these huge, huge monsters. And then you get someone who's smaller than your even Evan Pettywhisker. And I think they even comment at the time, like, oh, you're our kingmaker. Yeah. And he kind of makes a snarky comment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, um, we, we never did go into all the different kingdoms, did we? No, no, we didn't. So you've got Ding Dong Dell, the cat kingdom. Which is your kind of standard medieval kingdom, but it's got cats in it, so it's fine with me. And for some, well, they're called Grimmelkin in this game, which I think is an old word for uh, cats. And of course, you know, the big struggle in Ding Dong Dell, the insurrection, it's the mice against the cats. Yeah. And for years, there's been this whole, the cats are putting the mice down, so the mice rise up. And, you know, with the help of the big bad guy at the end, has started to exert his influence over somebody that overthrows the king because the game opens with the poisoning of the king and the king dying and they're trying to kill evan the heir and so you, you got a whole begins with the whole cat and mouse game yeah just <laughs> me thinking like oh boy cats <laughs> cats and mice it's american tale all over again yeah. but cats then, being bad guys <laughs> and then you get through the sky pirate area you you do all that. You start your little town of Evermore, your kingdom of Evermore, and then where do you head? You head to Goldpaw, which is all the dogs. Is that the is that the place with the casino? Yes. yes. You owe me. My favorite character in the game is the little you owe me bird. Oh my yeah. god! I I tried to found that find that sound effect to put in another podcast one time, and <laughs> I just I couldn't get it very clearly. I was like going through Let's Plays, and I was like, I'm not gonna go into minute 37 second 25 just to cut this out like who's got the sound effect somewhere couldn't find it yeah goldpaw is um very asian inspired like all the dog like bunch of the dogs wearing kimonos and the houses have this very pagoda like look to them mm-hmm. and yeah it's also the gambling town yes and the problem in this town is um what is it taxes keep going up and all, all these everyone's bad things always are... in debt yeah everyone's mm. always in debt yep you got the little birds squawking at you everybody loses at the casino everybody's borrowing money and then you, you could bet with somebody like you had to win a bet to see the king or whatever the ruler was because that's where they went to that kingdom first and they get they get in debt the party gets in debt um and it's all because everything's left to chance and like even major decisions you see the guy come out at one point and roll these gigantic dice and he's like well if i roll one you know taxes go yeah, up but all it's all fixed mm-hmm. it is. yep so that that's what you need to do is figure out how the dice fixed and yeah. fix all that because really the ruler there doesn't want to be bad he, he doesn't not being really influenced but somebody's fixing the dice and it's making a bad situation even worse Mm-hmm. And I forgot, wasn't the king of that town a pug? Yes. Was, was he gray? Yeah, it was, a, it was a adorable pug. I can't remember the king's name, though. Don't, sorry. 
<laughs> so after that, um, you th- there's a little town. We didn't write it in our notes here. There's that little town where they build the ships. Mm-hmm. Kind, of, kind of a oh, small yeah. stop on the way. Mm-hmm. But I that gets doing you quests to... there. <laughs> oh, yes. I, I know one thing kind of briefly touched on the side quest earlier, but that was something that got me so hooked in this game because every time you opened a new city, there'd be new side quests in all the other cities. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And just a side note, one, one way to get me to do all your side quests in the game is to number them because if yeah. I have like gaps, then I will lose my mind. <laughs> I, level five does a really good job at that. From, yeah. Like, Dragon Quest nine through the latent games. Um, through this. But there was uh, no loyalty card that you get stamped every time you do a quest this time, right? <laughs> I like that in the first one. But uh, but also, doing quests is how you get most of your town's members, too. Though I also learned a little bit late in the game that there was also a board somewhere that you could just recruit town people. Oh. What? It was what? It- Wait, what? Well, a board? Yeah. Oh, that was in Hydropolis. <gasps> yeah. Ironically, the next place on our list. I, I can't remember what the board was called. I just remember that you, you either go to an NPC or something, and it just had people to recruit, and that's where you found a whole bunch of them. I, I But they have requirements. This, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. But it's it's like, you know, once again... Yeah, because like once again, the townspeople were all named or all numbered. So of course, I was freaking out that I'd missed some. How many townspeople? So yeah, it total. I think a hundred. One hundred exactly. Yeah. But yeah, Hydropolis was the next city on our journey, and you went there, and they were caught in some weird time loop. Nobody had seen the queen in forever. Um, and you find out later the queen's been using all her power just to hold this city together for like a thousand years or something like that. But they don't know mm-hmm. the time has passed or it, it got into like weird time travel, magic-y stuff. And then when you beat that one, whatever, it's fine. It's just in the world and everybody's there and it's all cool. It didn't. It, it almost seems like when it was done, there was no more timey, magic-y problems. There's no consequences. Correct. Was there supposed to be a plot in this game? <laughs> there were many episodic town to town to town plots, then an it's, overarching story. It's a dragon quest, it, except it's dragon none quest of it's seven, interesting. Pretty. No I was only interested in the town building in this game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That that checks. Now, um, I will say, Hydropolis had the best battle for me. I loved their Kingmaker because yeah. it would fly around, and at some point, you had to. Uh, it had like a whole it formed ice shield all over itself and you ju- it became like a shooter for a while. Hmm. Like some of the Hig- the Higglebees would form or the Higglebees would form together and make like this big gun and you'd be like pop taking pops in the sky against it. And you couldn't get back to the normal flow of battle until you those shot fights off, were the off. best fights in the game. Like all. Those oh, yes. Maker, like because mm-hmm. it would always change up the mechanics and all of a sudden the battle system was interesting. <laughs> Yeah, it definitely wasn't just the same battle against someone with a lot of uh, big hit point pool <clears throat> trails of. Uh, yeah, yeah, you I know, like it. When... Over here going, I resemble that remark. <laughs> yeah, just a bit. And then I think we touched on it a little bit. The last kingdom was the uh, steampunk kingdom. Mm-hmm. Broadleaf. And yeah, it was like built straight up into the sky. It was built like a um, was like a skyscraper. And you just kept going up and down different levels into the basement. They had a lot of mechanical um, ones there. Their problem was that 
um, what is it, their, like defense system had gone haywire and you had to go down and fix the city defense system because it was attacking you. So it was a lot of robotic monsters in that one. That was one of the ones we did in the hotel and it was driving you crazy. Yeah, because of the verticality of it, yeah, you'd see something and not realize that it was up or down a level, which is one things that's annoying in a lot of games see xenoblade and uh earlier ease um 3d ease games they finally fixed it in ease 9 um i the verticality actually killed me at the end of the um kingmaker battle here you had to walk up a spiral staircase to get to the top and by then the battle was over you like you'd already knocked its hit points down to zero and it was just like quick get to the top and smack its head or whatever stick the sword in his head, pry this off, or I can't even remember what the mechanic was. But it was a 3D spiral staircase kind of platform. You had to jump, and I think some of the jumps disappeared at different times. And it was something that it wasn't timed. It wasn't, there was no consequence if you fell. And my God, it took me like five, ten minutes just to get up (laughs) 30 stairs. I was like, why? Why do I have to do this? I, I don't think you could pan the camera behind you, so you were always having to like, change your angle and then like the stair right under would disappear and i'm like ah crap here we go again (laughs) yeah i don't do well on rpgs that um have platforming mechanics Mm -hmm. and i'm glad i'm not the only one no that (laughs) i always feel stupid sorry i'm not very i I don't do a lot of 3d platforming so yeah all of a sudden that being part of it (laughs) thank god that wasn't like something like you knock the guy down and have to do it quickly before he gets back up Mm -hmm. it was a complete, like I said, untimed, unconsequential thing that I just couldn't do. Should have called my son in. <laughs> <laughs> That's what they're for. That, yeah. You can't like, beat hey, this for me. This. I don't I have that luxury. All the Mario games better than me. Nope, don't have the luxury. <laughs> you know, Chris had Anna. I had no one. <laughs> no, Anna took the easy and fun part away. She makes me do the hard parts for her. Anna had Chris <sighs> to get people for her city building game. Yeah, yeah, it was perfect. <laughs> right. A ten out of ten game, as far as I'm concerned. Game. Eleven out of ten. Eleven out of ten. Great city building. Mm-hmm. Sam Cooney. So let's see um, what else was there here. I, I think that pretty much covers most of it. Well, I guess we, like we talked game. about Dreamer Doors a little bit. Oh yeah. Yeah, they were kind of random dungeons mm-hmm. in this game, though not as fun i didn't quite enjoy these as much mainly because you know as the floors got higher and higher the dungeons got more and more difficult and eventually i would kind of get burned out on them yeah there were seven of them i probably only did four i I don't even think i found with the location of all seven i might have found a fifth and gone in and out but um there's a meter that's running once you go in there's a danger meter that starts counting and it goes up to 100%, and then, like, everything hits, like, level 2, danger level 2, and danger level 2 counts up to 100%, and then it's danger level 3. And what happens at each danger level, all the enemies in the entire place get harder. And there are ways to drop the danger level. You can pay, um, you're picking up little things as you're going throughout, and you can pay to open treasure chests, or you can pay to drop the danger level. Um... If you find the little stone that lets you do so. Um, So as you're going through, you're trying to find some good rewards, some good treasure chests. But some of those treasure chests, you'd be like, "Ooh, you can open this for like 20 of your little stars that you've picked up in this one. Oh, I need Um, those. No, but yeah, you needed those to drop the danger level. Mm Because I'll tell you what, I, I hit danger level five on one of the earlier ones and got down to the boss. And that boss was like one hit dead. 
one hit, dead. <laughs> I was like, okay, so this is where the danger level really, really, really comes in. Yeah, There's always little... before the boss. Boss, I had to lower the danger level as much as I could. Mm-hmm. I didn't really I would, care about all of the loot. I, I would try to wait till like the little counter was up into the 90 percent. Because if you were at danger level two and it was at 95 percent, about to be three. If you hit go down, it would go all the way down to level one, but also at one percent. So you could almost drop like 200 percent off the danger level. You could time it just right. But then you had to know where the thing was to pay the money and have the money. And, you know, uh-huh. well, weren't they random spawns? Yes, they were. They were just like a random little rock sitting off to the sides like, oh, you found this. Like, would you like to drop the danger level? And I'm like, well, uh, I, I don't know. Or you were at like 10 seconds into level one and like, well, <laughs> OK, uh, but I'm not going to be on level one for long. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Sometimes they were there when you needed them. Sometimes they weren't. Yeah, but yeah, I there was around with those a little bit. And Chris was like, don't don't do that. <laughs> I didn't say yeah, there's, that. there was the dimensional lab in your city that you could um research different things there Uh, that would like slow down the danger level gauge or um you could put treasure chests on the map so that it wasn't because there was no maps in these i think uh -uh. and that that got confusing pretty fast because everywhere else there's mini maps and or the mini map would grow if you were in the sewer it would grow as you explored um but in the dimensional lab in the those dimensional doors or the dreamer doors it didn't so i think that was the other frustrating thing i'm like okay here i am in a 3d maze i don't know what the heck and it's not mapping and you were done with the story and you're like i think i'll just put this down for now yeah that's why i did i did my three or four and was like no i'm getting close to the end it was the same thing with the side quests because i did like i didn't 100 this i think it was when like after I beat Hydropolis and got all their side quests open there, I went back to Goldpaw and realized, oh, my gosh, there's all new side quests. So I did all that. And then I got to Broadleaf and beat Broadleaf and realized every city all of a sudden had all these new side quests after it, I cleared them out. And I was like, no, yep. oh, I went enough. back and did them all. Oh, yeah. Wow. So did nope. I. Yeah. <laughs> I did. I did about half at that point, but I might have ended up with about 70 people in my city. Yeah, we maxed out as far as I remember, at least. That sounds right. Because, damn it, the one thing we're going to do is finish the city. (laughs) The only thing we (laughs) care about this game, we're going to do it. (laughs) So, yeah, really like this, you know, looking at other stuff. The battle system, definitely think it was better than the first one. Mm -hmm. Like I said, crappy story aside, I really enjoyed just how creative the game was. Um, the, all, all the stuff that you could do, I could have played an entire game by itself of just the uh, skirmish battles, because those mm-hmm. were so much fun. And the city, the city building was so much fun. And just running around on the world map finding stuff, I loved. Oh, I completely agree. I mean, I, I do play video games. We had that feature two and a half years ago. Josh asked, you know, do you play games more for the gameplay or the story? And I'm definitely like 90% gameplay. So this hit perfectly because i loved all the little gameplay and there were so many and they're completely different i mean city building is nothing like a skirmish battle and the skirmish battle is nothing like the regular battles and the kingsmakers battles were nothing like the regular battles because as chris said it kept adding little new mechanics into it so it was fun there was a lot to do and all of it was enjoyable i thought yeah my my, sorry one major complaint was just the story i felt like Mm -hmm. they they spent all this time making all these cool systems and then the story just kind of tanked <laughs> yeah and also they didn't i mean the first story leans heavily into there being two worlds yep. you know not that's in this one 
and you're going back and forth between those worlds to do stuff and the nightmares and everything. And nope, not this one. You know, yeah, well, you got Roland popping up at the, the beginning travel and Roland going away at the end. And that was it. Like you got oh, five minutes way, of it. You figured the beginning. out how to make peace. So there's no nuclear bomb after you go back because apparently right. you go back before you left for reasons we never explain, though. Maybe you do in the DLC. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Yes, it the it ends with him like riding in the limo and going and... to a peace conference rather than being under the threat of war. Ooh. Correct. Ooh. See, because he ta- signed a declaration of interdependence in this other world, he learned how to broker peace because plot. I don't know. Yeah. And you guys said that the music just wasn't as memorable as the one in the first game. I I kind of agree with that. Um I have, I have a very hard time remembering any of the music tracks from this. Yeah, you're telling me it's the same composer, and his actually usually does pretty good. So I feel like, I don't know, I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm missing something. Or, but yeah, I just can't recall it at all. I, I don't think it helps that I'm really bad about not listening to in-game music because I have podcasts or audiobooks going while I'm playing. That's me too, so... <laughs> We'll, we'll we'll talk about how I played this game in our next segment. But yeah, the way I play games, I don't listen to music very much. What I listened to of this, it was fine. I wouldn't call it memorable. I wouldn't. It, there wasn't. I did not mute it because I did not like the music. I'll put it that way. But that's not high praise either. So. Um, I like the voice acting in this game. Um, I didn't think it was as charming as the original game, and Evan Evan was a little annoying, but I liked the mm-hmm. Welsh Lofty, who I keep wanting to call Welshy, but his name is Lofty. Did they have little yeah, voice the, I, I liked their little voice clip of them saying Higgledy. It was very cute. <laughs> and yeah, it, it had good sound design, but the, the music was a little bit forgettable. All right, should we wrap this segment up? Oh, please. Yeah, just real quick. Um, just talk, uh, talking about the availability. Um, you can find used copies of the PS4 version for around twenty bucks. Um, Steam and PSN versions are still sixty. So uh, have fun with that digital future, guys. <laughs> I feel that this goes on sale quite a bit, though. It does. It does. Yeah. It just amuses me that it's been three years and digitally it's still full price. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is a that's a lot to ask for this game at this point. Mm-hmm. Just a bit. Um, Japanese games are horrible about this. I think every game we've talked about thus far that's old is still full price. That Hisashi uh, music tax. Yep. Well, yeah, um, we're going to take a short break, let my internet not suck, and then we'll come back and talk about our memories of this game and then wrap Anna, things up. Anna, hit the doubt button. Hit the doubt button, Anna. Doubt. Doubt. <laughs> oh, we'll be right back. Welcome back to RPG Backtrack, our episode about Nino Kuni 2 Revenant Kingdom, where it seems like we kind of came to a consensus that this game is okay. It's not great, but it's not terrible. The city it's, building's great. It's eh. If, you're, if your wife lets you play it. 
I mean, I, I did get a little bit upset during, during this game when it came out when people were kind of savaging it just to savage it, saying that it was, you know, anime trash and just call, calling it all kinds of nasty games. And I just was like, I I mean, the game's not that great, but I think that it doesn't deserve to be called anime trash. It does anything? Uh, oh, come on. There's got to be some anime trash out there. <laughs> I, I Anything by Idea Factory? Uh-oh. <laughs> I second that. You I opened this, this door, I, Chris. I'm sorry. In fact, yeah. I think you kicked open this door. I didn't mean to. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, I, I think um, they're, well, like, Witch in the Hundred Night, we've oh, established long ago, is just trash. It's just an anime landfill. <laughs> but I don't think this game is that deserving of that title. I think it's 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 okay. I mean, for twenty bucks on PSN, you can't go wrong. I certainly have a lot of memories of it. You guys seem to have a lot of memories of it. Tell tell us your memories. Um, I think my favorite memory of this is you couldn't actually get the steelbook for this game. I think oh, it was like buried in one collector's steal, edition. She's gonna steal my memory. Yep. Uh, and so, um, Chris, I think, did you try to line up to sit on the throne? Yeah. Yeah. So the only way to get the steelbook originally for this was to sit on the stupid throne at E3 <laughs> and get your picture taken with the guy in the lion suit or by yourself. <laughs> and like the line was redonkulous every day. And Chris was, that was a year that like I was uh, doing, um, I, I was an exhibitor, so I wasn't running around for, for RP gamers. So he was like one of three or four people. And then at the end of the show, the Bamco people came over to my booth because we were pretty close to each other. And they were like, here's 50 cases. Anybody <laughs> want some? <laughs> <laughs> and so I think we brought home like three and I, I gave away a couple and I think we might have auctioned off a couple or gave them away to podcast listeners. And we still have one downstairs in the basement that I'm sure is worth a ridiculous amount of money at this point. Uh, probably not that much, given the game's quality. Yeah. Uh, part of me wants to offer you something for that, but part of me is like, no, I, do I really need another steelbook? No, uh, always no. I mean, this was when steelbooks were like the hotness and everybody wanted hot to have take, their game. Hot in, take, in a... steelbooks were never good. <laughs> Chris, they were the cloth maps of the late 2010s. Oh. And now it's all enamel now pins. Now they're in a, the enamel pins of the early 2010s. <laughs> At least enamel pins don't take up as much space. <sighs> but where are you going to store your enamel pin without a steel book? Wrap it in your cloth map and stick it in the back of your sock drawer. <sighs> no, you make, you make a quilt of your cloth maps and then you okay, pin. I want to see that. I want to see a quilt, a quilt made of all the cloth maps that have ever come out. I, I've said this, I, that I want this before. I played adult kickball for, gosh, 14, 15 seasons, like three, four, five times a year and have like a T-shirt from every single one of them year after year after year. And at one point, some of us looked into like getting a quilt made with those. Those prices are insane. Yeah, I've I've done some more for all of my band T-shirts because um, I worked at a radio station for the longest time and mm -hmm. I made a point to buy, like every concert I ever went to, I made a point to buy a shirt with the tour dates on the back of it. And, you know, some of those shirts are just so old that they're just falling apart. And I've wanted to do that too. And yeah, um, quilts are not cheap. No, you, you need to find, you, you need to know somebody that would be... Hey, I'll slip you 50 bucks if you spend the next 20 hours next week making this for me. No, no, that's kind of choosing beggar territory. And 
that I would not fight someone making a quilt that much because quilts are a pain. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. looked into it. It's like this is way too much math for my feeble brain. I can sit in front of a miniature for hours at a time, squinting my eyes and be fine. But when it comes to exact measurements, not so much. How do we get on this? Oh, yes. Nino Cooney. <laughs> Nino Cooney. Steelbooks. I, I do That's have the, yeah, um, I, I do have the, like, just kind of mini collector's edition, not the huge one that came with the music box, which I'll admit I kind of wanted at the time. I just have the one that came with, like, the little diorama and, you know, soundtrack, uh, not steelbook, um, art book, that kind of stuff. You know, I've lately I've been just kind of settling for whatever the day one edition is that might come with something cool. Not really anything too spectacular. And um, my, my other memory of this game, because it, it's so recent that... I, I didn't really have any huge memories of it, but, but my other memory was um, I, I liked Evan so much, and they came out with those kind of not amiibos. I forgot what those were called. They they were like on a plus sign base. You, do you guys know what I'm talking about? Uh, I remember. No. I, Nendroids? I, <laughs> no. I want to say that they were called like Tontake oh, or something like that. And they made one of Evan, and it's like, okay, I, I really want to get this because I like Evan as a character, and he's really cool. And I certainly didn't want to get the Funko Pops because screw those abominations. You, t- you, you talk <laughs> yeah. about garbage collectibles, my God. And I think I ordered it from GameStop because it was on clearance for like three bucks. And I ordered it with a handful of other things that were on clearance. And when it got there... I think that that box had about an inch thick of dust on it. Like it had been sitting in a warehouse somewhere, just just collecting dust. I'd never bought something online before that was just that dirty, as far as the box went. And yeah, I, I still have that's, Evan. Though. That's I, from the nuclear winter that Roland escapes at the beginning of the game. That's, yeah. That's a... Yeah. But I mean, that being said, I. I enjoyed, I enjoyed the game. I, I have my little Evan. The, I, oh, I say screw the Funko Pops. I almost bought them just because those come came with the Higgledies, and those didn't look terrible because those have dead eyes anyway, so it didn't matter with the Funko Pop style. But then I'd have an ugly Funko Pop in my house. Yeah, can't have that. Well, I mean, I have some Funko Pops, but they're ones that don't really look that horrible. Like Morg- Morgana's doesn't look bad from Persona 5. He doesn't look nearly as creepy, and like the portal turret, um, you can't or the p- turret from the portal series, you can't even tell it's a Funko Pop. But no, the rest of them suck, and that's my memory. Or they look like their signature look. The worst they are. Oh yeah. <laughs> <sighs> my memory is just of sitting in a snowbound hotel room playing Nino Kuni two with a a chair dragged from the other corner of the room next to a PlayStation that we've hooked up to a TV that I had to half unhook from a wall in order to get it to reach. It was weird, but hey, we had fun. <laughs> I have never brought my PlayStation to a hotel room before. You haven't been half disinterested in a conference before. <laughs> no, most of the time when I'm at a conference, I'm like walk, walk in my hotel, pass out kind of conference. But mostly from, you know, having to do work stuff. Luckily, it's not very often. Mm-hmm. But yeah, you guys kind of went into it a little bit earlier. Yeah. Um 
You just didn't have this new f- format down there, Chris. Yeah, I, I almost stopped you, but it was content. <laughs> no, you, I you can't. Know, I can't. That's my memory. And just because we went into it earlier doesn't make it any less valid. That's when I think of Nino Kuni too. I think of that hotel room and the chair. <laughs> <I was sitting. laughs> that's you know, it. Matt. Maybe if you feel maybe if you feel like putting some editing skills on, you could like cut that part out and then plunk it here, <laughs> or. Or don't. That's fine. I don't blame you for not wanting to mess with it. You go pick all instances where he mentions hotel room out of. Well, because the only other thing that comes to mind <laughs> is getting the stupid steel case for me three, and she stole it just like she stole the good part of the game for me. <laughs> Look, that's it's my memory. It's my it's wife. <laughs> my wife stealing from me. That's my memory of Nino Kuni two. Great. <laughs> what would a Nino two Kuni two podcast be without that? Oh, do we want Nino Kuni three? Yes. I mean, I I'm not even sure we're gonna get it. Level five USA doesn't exist anymore. I I, I wouldn't imagine we'd get it. I'm just saying, do we want it? I would yeah. not. I think I'm always for more games and more games to find an audience for, yeah. and I wouldn't be opposed to a new Nino Kuni two. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Nino Kuni. Well, I don't know why I said new dude. internet connection is what I want. <laughs> Am I dying again? Yeah, you're dying bit. a slow yeah, I think it's signaling that it's time to end the show. Yeah. Oh, hold on. I got to talk about my memories. We have. Uh, yes, talk about I, your memories. Talk about your memory. That's okay. So you guys played this a couple years ago. I played this about four months ago. Um, as I've kind of hinted at in the past um, on other episodes, I have another podcast not affiliated with RP Gamer um called slime time and mainly we talk dragon quest games but occasionally no, we have an episode in a podcast oh. called slime time i know i know be surprised but we've branched out and we have our slime time side quest episode sometimes where we go off in the left field and one of our returning guests was definitely it drippy star slime like he puts drippy and slime in there that's his username everywhere and he was just begging us at some point we got to do a nino kuni episode and i was like okay um i actually played the original one the fan translation of the ds1 for a good 17 hours made it gosh a little bit past um probably 60 70 percent of the way through the game uh i reviewed the switch version finally got to play the White Witch, when it was ported to the Switch um, about a year and a half ago, reviewed that for RB Gamer. And so as we were planning this episode in November, I was like, you know, let me go online and see how much I could get the second one for. Because um, I actually had this pre-ordered back in 2018 and then started seeing trailers for it. And I was like, oh, I don't know if I'm going to like that combat. Um, I'm usually more of a turn-based person. And as it got closer to release date, I was like, nope, that doesn't look like the combat for me. And after experiencing the absolute trash that I thought the first game's combat was, um, I circled back around. And I think for about $16, I got a used copy. Um, Thought I'd put in a couple hours for the podcast and unmothballed my PS4. Uh, I got that little PSN notification recently that we all got. Um, how many hours you played your PlayStation last year and everything. And I can tell you right now, I played this game for 45 hours because it was the only game in 2020 that I played on my PlayStation 4 and kind of pulled it out and put it in the living room. It's been hiding in a bedroom for years and just haven't really played it in there. So with the music, I had to kind of keep it muted because my kids are sleeping right on the other side of the wall there. So kind of kept it low for a while. I did plug in headsets um, once or twice into the controller 
But man, I ended up loving this game way more than I thought I was going to. Just really enjoyed it. Um, got me like interested in playing on the PS4 again. It wasn't two weeks after that that I got myself Persona 5 Royal, got myself um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, and I'm like, yeah, we're going to be back on the PS4 again. So not only did this game, re- I really enjoy it, but it, I, got a, I got a whole system out of Mothball for this. Hmm. It's ironic. I, I dug the PS3 out of Mothballs to play Nino Kuni 1 at one point. I almost, I, I was looking at used PS3s for that game at one point, and... Sorry, you played yeah. on Switch. It's better off. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. It, it ended up, you know, but years before that, I was like, eh, I didn't have a PS3. I skipped that generation and was just, ah, you know, what PS3 exclusives do I really, really, really want to play? And there weren't a ton, but this was at the top of my list. And looking around at used systems, I was like, geez, I could probably get one for 50 bucks, 60, maybe 100 if I wanted a nicer one. But eventually, yes, it came to Switch. So why not? And it also got ported to PS4. So I everyone wins. Everyone won with that one. And yet we still didn't get the wizard book. Yes, we did. No, no, we, we got did. it with the PS3 version. If you got the super duper crazy collectors. Oh, oh right. Yeah, I have a wizard book. And in we fact, it was really too. handy when I played the Switch version. Yep. I printed out a wizard's book. There you go. I had a a, um, barn or a nook at the time, like one of those e-readers, and I downloaded it to there. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of cool. I felt like I had a wizard's tablet for a while, just, you know, having it on there. But then, unfortunately, that nook, yeah, unfortunately, that nook kind of died on me. Like this conversation. Yes. <laughs> and with that, good night. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, you there's a much from boredom yet. You know. I mean, there's really much more to say. It's an it's an okay game. Um, play it for cheap if you can. Um, Enjoy yeah. the town building. That's fun. It's like a mobile game, but you don't have to pay microtransactions yet. Eight long timers. Well, I have a question, Kelly. We haven't discussed this or talked about this. If you were to review this on RP Gamer, because we've got a review over there, but if you were the reviewer, what do you think you'd give this game? Probably a three out of five, Ouch. I want to say. Maybe a 3.5 out of five, just because yeah, the, I found the story to be that lacking. Mm-hmm. Anna, Chris, what do you think? Uh, three out of five gosh. Myself. I think it would be really hard for me to review this and I would probably have to write the review before I decided on a score. I mean, if I'm sort of pegging it off the sleeve somewhere between three, three and a half and four. A way to narrow it down to half the scale. Thanks. (laughs) It's a third of the scale. Thank you very much. I mean, to me, the three, the three out of five is, you know, well, the 2.5 is just meh. It's not good. It's not bad. It's just meh. This is better than White Knight Chronicles by far. So this is not a 2.5. That's how I know. See, I thought your White Knight Chronicles was bad. I didn't know that it was just a meh. It's, that's the problem. Is it's not bad enough to be bad. And it's not good enough to be good. Now, why are See, you I gave White Knight... The the, this is the wrong podcast for this. <laughs> Apparently, you need to have Chris on no, for a White Knight Chronicles no, episode. No, because then I have to play the sequel, and I don't want to do that. But they come together. No, they didn't. I thought that the White Knight Chronicles 1 came with the White Knight Chronicles 2. It does, yeah. And you had to play one of it. I play the first one, one on its own, remember? <laughs> and I thought you actually had to, were required to play the first one to be able to do the second one 
Or am I mistaken? I don't know. I didn't play the second one. Just wanted the anime. But yeah, I I, I think we're about done with this podcast. <laughs> All right. So personally, I think it's a four out of five game. Mileage may vary as you hear here tonight. So it's anywhere from a very solidly good okay to maybe a little bit better than okay. But again, we don't have our longtime host, Mr. Winky, with us here tonight. Uh, he couldn't make it tonight. So I will put us to bed once again. Um, it, when I played this, it was really during the election cycle last year. So it, I, I kind of like humorously made this connection in my mind with Roland being my favorite president for quite a while. Um, but, you know, depending on what political party you are, if you ever find yourself embarrassed, pissed off with, diametrically opposed to the president or prime minister, or wherever you live, whoever's in office, don't spend your evenings wishing them dead in a nuclear blast. Just imagine them as a younger version of themselves, wearing a tr- badass trench coat, having a ponytail, and blasting fantasy beasts with their gun. Or chopping them with a sword. Maybe that'll make you sleep a little bit better at night. Have a good one, everyone. <laughs>